We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Road of His Best Ball series. I am your host, Colin Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Today's show is brought to you by the FFPC, and today on this show, I'm delighted to be joined by Josh ADHD. He's a writer over at Fantasy Insiders, and I have to say, if you know, we look around the community, the fantasy football community, he is definitely a wizard, and he is a wizard of data and analytics, and you can follow him on Twitter at Fantasy ADHD. I'm sure if you're interested in best ball, maybe, maybe you're just trying to get into best ball, you do want to. Fa- follow josh here on twitter and if you have been playing basketball over the last couple of seasons he is uh, i'm quite sure somebody you're already following so uh, josh my man uh, thanks for joining me on today's show how are you doing i'm doing great colin how are you i'm doing good uh, I, we were joking before we started uh, you were meant to be the uh, taking oh, peeling back that curtain a little bit for the listeners you're meant to be the uh, kind of premiere debut episode of this series and we've just uh, we're getting along to it now here at the end of the series so good things come to those who wait is a famous saying here in ireland so i think the, the listeners are in for a good one today yeah i'm, I'm excited let's get to it so uh, jumping straight into it uh, first of all you know 2017 seen you 
dominate uh, Twitter, as I mentioned there. You know, I think everyone in the best ball community is probably following you uh, from last season. And then, you know, the work continued throughout the offseason, the charts and the ADP info for all the best ball leagues was something that, you know, I just, I really enjoyed. Just even, you know, if it wasn't when I was drafting, I just like to see the, the different uh, kind of graphics. The graphics are some way that I, I know, like yourself, get that data and graphic form and it's so much easier to understand rather than just having the numbers down there in front of you. So what, was that something you planned to work on as much as you did last year? Or is it something that just kind of ran out of control? <laughs> yeah, it's I, I, probably somewhere in the middle of that. It was something I definitely was interested in doing, especially after doing some similar work for the Scott Fishbowl back when it was, you know, Fishbowl 480. And so I'd gotten into it probably late last February when leaks kicked off and started tinkering with this and that. And, and folks were really interested in some of the stuff I was putting on Twitter from a graphical standpoint, like you mentioned, you know, visuals tell a story that numbers maybe aren't as clear about sometimes. So, I, you know, I'd, I'd make a plot about this, I'd make a plot about that, I'd get some really good feedback from it. And uh, at that point, I was like, well, I need to build an app out of this because I can't go and make it by hand every time somebody has a question about something. And usually that person's me. So I build an app. That way I can go and just click a couple of buttons and it gives me the information I'm looking for. And so along those lines, I'm like, well, if I'm going to build this for myself, it really behooves me just to go ahead and share it with everybody. It's the data is out there freely. Uh, the work's already done. And in order to just kind of propagate the popularity of best ball, I thought, well, let's just share it with everybody and, and let them do what they will with the information. It turned out, I guess it was pretty popular. Folks were really receptive to the idea uh, of having some more visual information out there about the best ball drafts that they were taking part in. So it, did it run out of control? Probably at times it did. My wife surely thought so. Um, but at the same time, I think, uh, I think it's still got a long way to go. So I, you know, I still have a lot of ideas on how to leverage the information that we get from the different leagues. And I really want to put those to use, and that's something I'm planning to do this year at Fantasy Insiders. Yeah, and when uh, you know you mentioned the kind of different changes in ADP, one of the things I enjoyed was like you know certain backfields. You know there might be three or four players in the backfield, and we've seen it with like the Patriots, we've seen it with the Eagles. There was a couple of those where there was no real clear number one, and you know you could see the the change in ADP and the players maybe climbing up five or six rounds, a player dropping five or six rounds. We've seen it with the Seahawks as well after Eddie Lacy signed with them. So uh, let's have a fun one and uh, look at. Uh, who was the biggest ADP leap in 2017 from the start to, to the end? And uh, did they turn out to be you know very, very good values or did they turn out to be very, very big busts? Yeah, I think it was probably, you know, I would say from a magnitude perspective, probably Kareem Hunt. And that's because in, let's say, July, up until right at the beginning of training camp, he was available anywhere from the 10th to the 14th round, depending on when you drafted. And then as soon as the Spencer Ware injury hit, which was pretty early on in training camp, Kareem Hunt was suddenly a third-round pick. And for a player to go from, you know, jump seven rounds up to that portion of the draft over the course of the number of drafts that are taking place that late in the offseason, that's just a magnificent jump for a player to take in that in that short of a span. I mean, we're talking like three days that, that Kareem Hunt jumped from, you know, 10th, 11th round up to third round. Significant. Uh, some of the other players that were really, I'd say, affected by the marketplace, Brandon Cooks, obviously, when he was traded from New Orleans to New England, uh, you know, many perceived that he was going to be bona fide number one and probably see in the neighborhood of 120 targets there. And his ADP reflected that. I think he was probably a fourth or fifth round ADP. And in some cases, he was jumping up in the late first. So it was um, he saw a pretty significant jump. I'd, I'd say he probably paid back the dividend on his 
on the ADP that was required to draft him. You know, you mentioned the running backs, New England in particular. <clears throat> Probably the most interesting one that, that you could see throughout the entire offseason of 17 was for Rex Burkhead, who at the beginning of, of best ball season was, you know, anywhere from the 17th to the 20th round where he was being drafted, if he was being drafted at all. And then as soon as he signed with New England, he's a fourth round pick. He's a fifth round pick. And then once New England also went and got Mike Gillisley, then you see Rex Burkhead drop all the way back off to the 16th and 17th round because people were chasing Mike Gillisley. So watching his progression through the offseason was very interesting. I think he ended up probably being somewhere around the 11th or 12th round at ADP at the end of the offseason. And I think we could probably say he paid off his investment price, uh, except for maybe the folks that had to, to draft him really highly uh, in, in mid-March before Gillisley came to the team. Yeah, if you if you drafted him just in that kind of short space of time, it mightn't have paid off. But it's uh, you know it's always uh, a lot of people look at these players and unless they really crush the value or else they're a huge disappointment. People don't just sometimes look at it as yeah they met their value and I'm very very happy with my investment on it. Unless it's a, a situation where you draft them in the tenth round and they finish with a second round value. Drafting those players in the tenth round and finishing with a tenth round value also can help. But of course in best ball leagues we are trying to hit that ceiling and some of our listeners may be new to best ball maybe getting into it for the first time this year trying to get started they're used to their redraft leagues but obviously best ball is a, a huge benefit because you basically draft it and then that's it you don't have to worry about it from that point forward it's uh, set it and forget it pretty much and you're happy to, to roll out and you see how it goes throughout the season but uh, what do you think uh, are some of the biggest differences and approaches to how you draft in best ball versus your your season long and end season management leagues uh, what is some of the, the biggest differences for you do you prioritize a different type of player than you have in a, a season long league or do you find that it's you know pretty much the same uh, both ways are you really trying to hit those high ceiling players you know typically i will take more chances in a redraft league where i know that i can hit the waiver wire and find somebody else eventually so I, i'd say in best ball leagues i look a little bit more for safety and a little bit more for a high floor consistent player or at least a player i think is going to perform in a consistent manner but that doesn't mean i'm going to look for let's say a very safe player at every pick you know it depends on the draft and it's probably the first five or six rounds i'm looking for a relatively safe player that i expect will return a floor value to me someone that i can depend on on a week-to-week basis and should have a little bit of upside attached to him but also a player that i feel pretty confident in the role and should you know on a week-to-week basis give me what i expect and then in the rounds after six i'm looking to put more risk into a player obviously because that's where the risk lies if they if they didn't have risk they'd be a higher round pick so in that sense i'll as the draft gets later and later i will look for riskier players that i think can give me x amount of weeks of value that say they score you know for a player in the mid rounds i need a player that can score in half the weeks or more and and late rounds i want a player that can score in four of the weeks or more and give my give my team a ceiling potential in addition to the floor potential they get from the early rounds that can hopefully put me through to first place at the end of the season yeah it's uh, i think it's a very very a uh, good strategy it's something that i i find myself going in the same way obviously when you're talking about that in the preseason, and you know if you're doing it in february march april it's very very easy to think that those players are going to have that value but as you 
can see with your data throughout the off season that really can change very very quickly and and very short spaces of time i just want to tell the listeners first about the rotoviz nfl pass and of course being a listener to the podcast you can get a subscription with a 30 percent discount right now it's available through the nfl podcast homepage that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast your subscription will give you unlimited access to all our nfl content and tools and best of all it helps support the pod so be sure and get that 30 percent discount now for an nfl pass get yourself ready for best ball season get yourself ready for the 28 regular season that link is rotabiz.com forward slash podcast so now that we kind of know the outcomes of last season and the you know from your adp research and the data that you worked on last year what is your biggest takeaway uh, from the data versus the results and uh, is there any way that you think you can make that actionable now during uh, best ball draft season you know it's a tough question i've been asking myself this for about 12 weeks now and i don't have a good answer um i would say that the biggest takeaway from the data versus the results is that many people, myself included, thought that that zero running back would work well in best ball drafts for 2017 and that we could go wide receiver heavy at the beginning of drafts and, and have a decided advantage. And that didn't work out in 2017, and it kind of followed along with what we had seen prior to that as well. So. I think we're maybe withdrawing a little bit from zero running back as like a de facto strategy for a lot of people and saying, yeah, maybe it makes some sense to take a running back in the first couple rounds. If you feel confident that that particular running back is going to give you that floor, the high floor that you need out of the, out of that type of pick week in, week out. So how, how can I say it's actionable? Well, me personally, I'm, I'm probably going to, you know, modify my strategy a little bit in general. Now there will be some drafts that, I do run zero RB and there'll be some drafts where I probably run zero wide receiver and I'll mix and match a little bit because really the way you should look at best ball drafts is it's a, it's something you're going to do a good many of. So let's say you're going to do 20 best ball drafts. You're building a portfolio of players and it's really akin to having uh, 20 GPP lineups in a tournament in a given week where you're going to spread your ownership among a group of players and then you're going to sprinkle in some other players in very small percentages that, you know, maybe they're high upside and super low floor plays. But, you know, players that could give you the ability to get over the top. So your best ball portfolio is very similar to that. Uh, there's some slight differences, but in general, that's kind of the idea. So I, when I say it's actionable during draft season, I'm probably going to scale back maybe some of the some of the extremes that I worked last year with my draft strategy and come back maybe a little more centric. Uh, except where it makes some sense, but probably a little more centrist of, of a view this year with, with the type of players I pick, when I pick them, etc. Yeah, something that I'm interested, you kind of touched on it there, you know, the zero RB strategy or the zero wide receiver strategy. Last year, a lot of people in the basketball community, myself included, went in more so with that zero RB strategy, waiting to kind of the eighth, tenth round to pick that first running back. And it really did kind of, unless you get lucky, it did backfire on the majority of us. So uh, do you think this year, though, something that I'm trying to start to look into as I look at ADP at this present moment in time, do you think we're going to see an over kind of... Uh, correction and people are going to start to go very very heavy rb at the start of drafts and maybe there will still be that their advantage to people who wait and go with wide receiver at that point of the draft to kind of stock up on that do you think sometimes we we might look at an overcorrection in in the market like that yeah i think the market always overcorrects on a year-to-year basis and and the early adp that i've looked at so far indicates that rb heavy in the first two to three rounds is what that's going to be the theme for the day uh, at least for the probably the first couple months, it may even out a little bit as we get heavier into or uh, further into the off season. 
But right now I see it's very RB heavy. And when I say RB heavy, I mean 11 to 14 running backs going in the first two rounds of a best ball draft, which is uh, that's unbelievable if we look at and compare that to the last two seasons, uh, you know, 2016, 2017, when we were seeing mostly wide receivers, a couple of running backs, maybe a quarterback, maybe a tight end. Now it's the, the wide receiver and the running back quantity has virtually flipped. Yeah, it's, it's pretty uh, crazy to see that there flip from, you know, two years ago to this point in time. So it's going to be a very interesting season to see if people do stick to that strategy, or as you mentioned, if it changes as the off season progresses here and the, the best ball season really ramps up. From a strategy perspective, are there any areas off the best ball community? And I know you're looking at a lot of stuff in best ball with these, you know, a lot of the communities coming to you for this advice. Is there anything you think that they're overemphasizing as a as a whole as a collective you know whether well, it's lineup construction or you know adp values is there anything you think that they're they're missing out on maybe overemphasizing uh I, from an overemphasis standpoint i don't think so unless they let's say they cling to a single strategy for their teams and i would i would recommend against that because again that's not that's not a resilient way to build a portfolio it's more of a you know that's an outlier where you're hoping for a single outcome or a, you know one type of outcome, whereas you could have a you know a vast multitude of outcomes, and you're kind of it's more like playing um, roulette at that point, where you're you're putting in your chips on one thing happening, and if that thing doesn't happen, then you're totally yahtzee for the year and you don't get any winnings. So I would say any kind of overemphasis on a strategy or even a particular player or a roster construction, I would. I would back away from that and I would try to, you know, I would vary things up a little bit. And even in some cases, I, you know, if you do like a particular player, I would draft the player opposite him in the lineup. Let's say, you know, um, you know, running back, if, if Alvin Kamara is your guy and I, you know, I think that's a fine guy to draft, I would take, you know, a certain amount of shares of Mark Ingram just to make sure that I had the other side of the coin in case something happens to Kamara you know, it, it makes some sense to kind of insulate yourself against catastrophe where it makes some sense. Yeah, I wish I had uh, taken that advice last year. You mentioned earlier Spencer Ware and Kareem Hunt. Uh, a lot of Spencer Ware's the listeners have heard in my lineup straight the show. So uh, maybe if I had uh, went a little bit more with Kareem Hunt, that wouldn't hurt me as much, but it uh, hurt me in a big, big way. But if you're playing uh, in basketball this year, you want to get interested, you want to get your first league if you're not used to playing it, or if you're playing it, for a long, long time. Let me tell you a little bit about the FFPC. That is the Fantasy Football Players Championship. They are the sponsor of today's show. And they are the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. For most people, it is the off-season, but not for the FFPC, and certainly not for us. We're all looking to get as much fantasy football action in as we can. They have over 200 dynasty leagues that are active now, with entry fees starting from $77 all the way up to $2,500. And they haven't had a single Dynasty League fold in over eight seasons. So there's orphan teams available to purchase right now. And if you want to go and check them out, uh, head on over to the FFPC. Plus, if you're getting ready to draft in best ball now, their best ball leagues are opening. And uh, you can get into those for $35 as the entry fee. So it's uh, a real, real uh, good competitive field over there. So uh, don't miss out on the FFPC experience. Go to my FFPC and register now. That is myffpc.com, the home of season-long high stakes football so bouncing back the next piece of information that i want to get from you josh is what is the biggest miss you had in 2017 in baseball not to uh, bring the tone of the show down too much but let's hear it no but the, these are actually these are the most important players to talk about on a on a review basis uh mine's kenny Britt. bottom line I, 
Yeah, I drafted a lot of Kenny Britt. He was a ninth and tenth round fixture for me. So practically any draft I was in, if he was there in the ninth and tenth round, he was going to be on my team. I thought he had that much potential in the Cleveland offense. Obviously, that didn't work out very well. But I think looking back at those decisions, we can review and see why we made the decision the way we did and what we might do differently this time around if we had the same type of information that led us there in the first place. So for me, I'm looking at, okay, well, number one, I don't trust Hugh Jackson anymore. Number two, you know, I could say Kenny Britt's a bum. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but you could say that maybe is part of the case. And I could use those kind of data points to also assess what I thought were the metrics that were in favor of Britt and maybe weigh that decision a little bit more than I did before. So that's what I'm looking to do when I'm looking at my worst picks. Uh, obviously, the guys that didn't get injured, they just didn't perform. Uh, you don't want to necessarily look at guys that got injured and say that was a bad pick. I think that's that's it's just not a good idea to do that because you may have made a great pick. It just didn't work out because the guy got you know busted his shoulder or something. So it's um, it's important to make that that differentiation in your review. Yeah, I think yeah, I definitely agree with that. You know, I mentioned the Spencer Ware picks that I had earlier. I I have no fault with that injury, you know, knee injuries or something that you just can't uh, vouch for, and that happens every year in the NFL. It either falls for you or against you, and uh, you know. I mentioned already, is there anything that the community might be overemphasizing? Is there anything that they, we should be paying more attention to, uh, particularly with your information at ADP? Is there anything that we're, we're missing out on there? I think you know, probably the biggest thing is to pay attention to the rumors that are circling around out there. And really, for me, the best place to see rumors are, is Twitter and Roto-World. Uh, see, you know, it basically just indications of player movement. Because the market will react to those indications before they become reality. So in some cases, you know, you may see a player rumored to move to, a, you know, let's say a beneficial offense, and it doesn't come to fruition. But the 80, the player's ADP will spike as if he were. And you know, likewise, if a player does end up moving to that offense, then you'll see his ADP spike and then spike again once the move happens. So I would say I, it's difficult to stay ahead of the news because. It's it really it's impossible to predict what's going to happen. But what you can do is pay attention to the news, see where players could end up and consider that when you make your your draft decision. So do you want to try to get ahead of it and, and predict that a player is going to go somewhere that you like? Do you want to go ahead and draft him now a little bit ahead of schedule and make sure that he's on your team with the you know, with the realization that there is some risk involved? And if it doesn't work out, then you've likely overpaid in hindsight so it's obviously it's an investment risk right you have to weigh what the what the uh, investment cost is worth to you and if it's worth it to you do you make the decision or not so i would say you know package that back up really just pay attention to the news understand what player movement looks like at all times when you're in drafts and then you know try to react accordingly yeah, and I think that ties back into what you mentioned earlier with Rex Burkhead and his jump in ADP. He was somebody from a dynasty perspective that I was really interested in last uh, offseason before uh, he hit free agency and then obviously signed with the Patriots. That skyrocketed him up, as you mentioned, and then when Gillespie signed, that dropped him back down a bit. But if you had drafted him, like you mentioned, in that 17th to 20th round and then he jumps up to the fifth round, you know, that there's the sort of thing that you're trying to get in ahead of the crowd because once it happens, you're uh, kind of already too late at that point. So when we look then at the, the community, I mean, as a whole but if you're one of the kind of newer guys in the community you haven't really got involved yet and you're starting out uh, you know is there 
a lot of people kind of worry about the specific exposure to players. You know, if, if you have, you know, 50% exposure is probably too high. But if you're in around that 30 to 35%, that's kind of where I'd be high, happy with on my higher own players. But do you have a, a precise way of managing those exposures? Is it something you uh, manage very carefully or is it something that you're not all that concerned with? It For me, it's something that I'm not that concerned with until, you know, you have those, you mentioned earlier, 20 drafts done. Well, if you're kind of halfway through what you plan to be your finished draft season, and you're above that percent that might concern me a little bit but i like to if i like a player i like to kind of go all in on them yeah i think it's um you're gonna have a mixed bag of results here uh i think this early in the off season it makes some sense to color the board as much as possible on unclear situations because that that's where you're going to stand to profit the most from a let's say a points perspective on a week-to-week basis on the other hand though if you do see let's say what you might think of as a screaming value um and last year the you know, the poster child for this was Todd Gurley, who you could get at the end of the second or early third round. If you see a player like that, that you feel really confident will blow up his ADP, even if it's a very high ADP, then it makes some sense to go ahead and I think to overweight yourself on that player, understanding the risk involved that if he gets injured or if it doesn't work out, then it's going to blow up some of your teams. Um, so it's I, again, it's it's it depends on your strategy. If your strategy is to have a very balanced portfolio and invest across the board, so that you know you're looking to make a little bit of profit if things go well, and lose only a little bit of money if things don't go well, versus you know high risk, high reward, where you're overweight on a lot of players, you're making a lot of you know you're planting a lot of flags, making a lot of bets, and if those work out, then you're going to blow profit out of the water. If they don't work out, then you're going to end up broke. So. You know, depending on the deciding on your strategy is really going to be critical to what you do with your your player allocations. Me personally, I don't pay much attention to how many times I've drafted a player. Now, I'll go look occasionally and say, oh, OK, well, I've got this guy in 60 percent of my drafts. I either need to throttle back a bit or I need to decide if he's a, a guy that I'm going to be all in on. So, you know, some guys manage it down to the penny. Me personally, I just kind of have a 20,000 foot view and, and make adjustments as needed. Yeah, the other side of that is, uh, you know, you mentioned coloring the board as much as you can at this stage of the at this stage of the game. But uh, do you ever be worried then about you know over diversifying? So you pretty much have nearly every player on the board, and you don't really have that core. So you don't have the players you believe in. And then if we get to the draft season, you know, and all those players hit, well, they're spread across so many teams that you might end up at the same time uh, having nothing at the end of it all again. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Colm. And so the way I would look at that is. You know, when I say color the board, you obviously you don't want to draft everybody. You can't, but you can have maybe a wider core group of players that you feel confident in, and those are the guys you're going to sprinkle on your rosters, pretty um, in a distributed manner. I'll put it that way. And then as the off season goes along, you can start to whittle that down, or maybe in some cases even open that up um, and balance it out even a little bit more. Or in my case, I, I tend to whittle down as the off season goes along, and then I start to you know, kind of group up my, my core players and invest more heavily. So it's uh, I, I think you bring up a really interesting point of not spreading yourself too thin to where you can't win with the guys that you draft because they're just scattered everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I mentioned earlier as well, we're talking about baseball, I mentioned the FFPC. I have a little uh, nice thing here for the listeners. If you want to have an opportunity to win yourself a free $35 entry into a league with the FFPC, all you have to do 
for the next next month is head on over to the iTunes page of Rotoviz Radio and give us a written and review on there. If you do that, you'll be eligible to win an entry into one of those free $35 leagues with the FFPC. So uh, if you're interested as well in joining a league with the FFPC and play against guys like me and uh, some of the other Rotoviz podcasters and writers, all you have to do is hit us up on email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Send us over the email and we'll get that league set up. So uh, that there is a perfect way to just try and get yourself into one of these leagues if you haven't already done so and uh, you know again itunes give us a written review on there the other thing i want to ask you josh i got your worst call last year so i don't want to just be you know cause a downer on you on the show uh, what was your best call of 2017 i think my best call was todd Gurley, and i hate to, i hate to say my best call was a you know a high adp guy but at the time that i kind of identified him as a, as a league winner he was you know late second early third round pick and if you could go back in time and take Todd Gurley in the late second round of every one of your drafts, you had a very high probability of winning your league because it also meant that you were likely pairing him with a player like, you know, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, Julio Jones, that type of player, maybe Antonio Brown. And if, if you were able to com- combine those two players, you were like a 60% chance to win your league last year. It was incredible. Yeah, that's another uh, interesting thing. You know, you mentioned there's, um, you know, the the best value. The best value is the player who overproduces on his expectation. Todd Gurley certainly did that last year based on what his expectation at this stage of the year was. The other thing that's very interesting I've mentioned on a few shows was last year in particular, more so than pretty much any other year, if you had kind of that second overall pick, you really did fall into some good players if you avoided, uh, you know, David Johnson. Is that a situation you find yourself in many times last year? I didn't have a lot of picks at the start of the draft but if you did have that kind of second overall pick and then coming back the way having that uh, 21st overall pick it really or sorry 23rd overall pick it really fell nice for a lot of people yeah i i was also one of those that barely ever got to pick at the you know the, the first four picks of the draft i had i think of all my drafts i got to draft two times at number four one time at number two and that was it and i had you know i had well over probably pretty close to 30 drafts all said and done by the end of the off season. So I, that's pretty frustrating, to be honest. And I, I'm hoping that this year, let's say, we'll call it the random number generator, although it certainly doesn't feel like it. Um, you know, hopefully that random number generator is a little bit more kind this year to players that are, you know, playing a lot of different leagues and distributes your picks a lot more evenly than it has in the past. You know, I think um, I think that's going to be the case based on, you know, obviously some things that we've seen happen. There are a lot of I think a lot of folks that complained about it last year openly, I know I was one of them just saying that, you know, based on history, if you weren't picking in the first four picks of the draft, then you were going to be kind of toast because you miss out on that two, three turn where you get a lot of the really the high upside players at the end of that tier that in combination with your top three, top four pick, those are the league winners is the way it worked out the last couple of seasons. So you know, if you're picking at the back half of the draft, like I was many times, then you're reaching for guys, you're hoping for the best. And in a lot of cases, it just kind of, it just kind of led to a mad roster at the end of the season. Yeah, and you know we kind of we've touched on a lot of different parts of roster construction if we're worried about having too many of a certain player too much exposure to players on our team but when i talked on the show to tj hernandez a piece of information that he had that i thought was very good was to not worry too much about 
the overall uh, roster construction in terms of uh, zero RB or zero wide receiver. But to worry about having a set amount of uh, you know quarterbacks, uh, running backs, tight ends, and wide receivers when you get to the end of the draft to have that amount of players that you want rather than to have a set strategy moving in is that something that you agree with uh, based on the roster construction? Is it something that you look into? I know there's a lot of studies been done over the kind of the winning combinations of what we have here for the correct rosters in best ball. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's um, it, it makes some sense to have an idea of your strategy and kind of save some things for later in the draft. Um, you know, just kind of general strategy is if, if you're playing with the DST the defense and special teams in your best ball league to save those for the last three or four rounds. And, you know, the the scoring between defenses is so so minimal that it doesn't make any sense to reach for one over another. Uh, and, and cost yourself the opportunity at a very high upside player, wide receiver or running back or tight end that can really win your league versus what the defense could give you drafting one, you know, in the 16th round versus the 17th round. So I think TJ, TJ certainly has the right idea. I, I follow a lot of his advice when, when it comes to, to analyzing roster construction. Um, he and Mike Beerswater as well. So it's um, those guys have put out some good stuff and, and I think they're spot on in that in that analysis. Yeah, and both of those when they were on both said that uh, you put out uh, absolutely phenomenal work. So I think there's a, a trio there that are in very much in agreement, and you definitely need to be following for your best ball advice. But when we look through the rest of it, you know, the when I started playing in best ball leagues, that was something that I was very interested in. Was that kind of roster? People talked about the roster construction, but you need to kind of have that idea of filling out the roster and the correct sort of strategy. But when you look back to when you started playing, or when if you could look back now and give yourself one piece of advice prior to when you started playing basketball as a non-player, what's the best piece of advice you think if you could only pick one to to give yourself that knowledge that you have now? You know, honestly, it would be to uh, probably, and I mentioned earlier, to be up on the news. I think as long as you're up on the news. And you understand potential landing locations for players, potential roster um, roster construction. I'm gonna say real life NFL roster construction. What depth charts look like? Then I think you're gonna serve yourself really well in these drafts. You'll be able to spot some discrepancies in value as they develop in your individual drafts. And I think as long as you understand the current the current in the NFL at that time, then you're gonna be in really good shape. Yeah, it might be something as well. Like, you know, we mentioned there if a player hits free agency, but the other side of it is that if you know the depth charts and maybe you know the third string running back and whoever the second string running back, there might be a report comes out that, you know, it's not looking good for him. He might get cut. You know, if you can start to put him in at the, the bottom of those uh, drafts, you know, in the 19th, 20th round when he hasn't been drafted, sometimes that there can really springboard you. And then if you are in the zero RB thing, that if the starting running back gets injured, then you can have the opportunity to have him in your lineup and have an extreme value at the end of it all. So there's just keeping up to those, uh, keeping up to the news, as you mentioned, following the beat reporters. I do say when you were talking about listening to advice, follow the beat reporters, follow what you see on Roto World. Probably don't listen to what the coaches say because sometimes uh, a lot of that can uh, not be uh, valuable information at the end of it all. Uh, to somebody who played a little bit of baseball last year and is looking to you know, get more into it, get more serious, didn't have any success really last year, what would be the best way you think somebody can improve their baseball game? Is it simply going to your Twitter page and following all your advice or is there any, any other advice to slot in there, Josh? Uh, you know, for someone that's looking to improve, I, I would the first thing I would do is look back and see why I didn't have success. So if you cannot assess why you probably didn't succeed the year before or the year before that, then I don't think you can make any kind of determination about what you need to do going forward. So I would say the first thing to do is study yourself. Know what happened that, that made you fail. That's certainly something I'm doing right now. I want to know why, other than injuries, I, I've kind of flamed out in a few 
in a few situations last year. And then once I understand that, now I'm going to go forward and make a plan. And that plan could be, you know, follow as many best ball experts as I can on Twitter. It can be, you know, making sure I'm checking Roto World a couple times a day as as um, events approach in the NFL offseason. And when I say events, I mean things like obviously the combine, uh, the NFL draft, free agency, and then obviously training camp. So those those are kind of landmark events in the NFL offseason where ADP tends to kind of resort itself, so to speak. So, you know, especially at NFL draft time, especially at free agency and somewhat at, at training camp, you'll see ADP sometimes just totally flip-flop for certain players and certain teams based on, you know, a piece of news or a player moving somewhere. So, you know, I would I would do my best to probably assess myself. I also want to try to maybe balance some of the things I've done in the past that have gone a little bit awry and try to scale back some of the flag planting that I've done. And I think everybody's kind of guilty of, of planting flags. So it's, I think it, it makes some sense to check yourself, do your quality control and kind of chart your path forward based on what you've learned about yourself. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. You mentioned it as well when I asked about the, the worst call of 2017 for you and I think that was a great answer that nobody else I don't think has mentioned so far in the show and it's something you won't hear a lot of people say and it's always that you have to know when you made those mistakes it's easy to come on a show and say yeah I did pick this player like done great absolutely fantastic but it's a different story when you can say that I, you know I made the mistake and like you mentioned with Kenny Britt I had a flag planted in Kenny Britt last year and it obviously didn't work out for me either so when you look at those it, has, it is all about kind of self-evaluation looking back and I think that is a really really uh, solid piece of advice there for anyone that played last year whether it's best ball whether it's dynasty whether it's any type of any type of fantasy league or whether it's anything really in general you always need to self-evaluate and see how you can improve it moving forward so when we're talking about moving forward 2018 no, i think I, that's just kind of pretty much my plan there, right now you know, you know another thing i wanted to mention that it, it's in my plan personally this year is to avoid the echo course. chamber uh that twitter creates and and you know there are other echo chambers out there that, you know there's probably one on reddit there's some on facebook i mean echo chambers exist everywhere uh, social media so i think social media is great for understanding who are the popular picks and who are the unpopular picks at any time but the the thing we need to be cognizant of when we're embedded in those social media uh ecospheres is that we need to understand when our when our ideas and our opinions run contrary to the crowd not to change them to what the crowd thinks because in a lot of cases our instincts probably are correct and we need to pay attention to what our instincts and our information, our logic is telling us to do versus what the crowd is saying you should do. So, you know, taking that information in, reading best ball writers, understanding the data is great. But you also need to listen to yourself, think through the problem yourself and come up with your own solution and then compare it with what you see out there. And in some cases, it's going to be the same. In a lot of cases, it's going to be different. And I would say your best opportunity to win best ball leagues is to listen to yourself, do your work, and then contrast what you've learned with what you see in the crowd. And in some cases, it's going to make sense to do what the crowd is also saying is a good idea. And in some cases, it's going to be where you need to stick to your guns and do what you think is right and be a contrarian, so to speak. 
Yeah, I, I've just been nodding my head along in agreement for the last kind of you know minute of uh, Joyce talking there. So I, I agree with everything that's just been said, and I think it's really good advice heading into this year. There's been so so much good advice on the show, courtesy of Josh himself. And uh, yeah, thanks, Colin. It's, it's always fun to get together with you. To, to I, I appreciate you being patient with me this time and my Josh, schedule. But, uh, uh, an unfortunately, pleasure. it's just been really hectic the last few weeks and. I don't see it slowing down anytime soon, but I had a window and I can't do anything but squeeze you in when I've got one of those. So I appreciate the time. Uh, and that's going to do it for today's edition of the Rotobiz Best Ball series, the final one in the series. I hope you've enjoyed the series. If you haven't, if you've listened to this one, haven't listened back to the other one, we've had a lot of great guests on. TJ Hernandez, we had Chris Raybon on last week. Mike Beers has been on. Josh has been on. Jersey Jen was on. There's just so many different people who have been on the series. Uh, Todd Burrows was on as well. So there's just a lot of good shows up there. Go and check them out. They're all up there on rotobiz.com. They'll be on any podcast app if you're listening to this. Just go back and uh, search through the history over the last kind of three weeks. So perfect, perfect time to get ready for the best ball season and listen to it. So my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My guest today was Joyce ADHD, who you can follow on Twitter at Fantasy ADHD. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Best Ball series. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizgmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Johnny got a toy golf set when he was three, and from that day on, he was hooked. All he wanted to do was golf, golf, golf. He'd be on the links before school, after school. All he ever wanted was to go pro. And then, one day, when he was holding his grandson and thinking about his 12 handicap, Johnny realized it just might not happen for him. But you know what did happen for him? He switched to Geico and saved a bunch of money on car insurance. So that was good, and so was hanging out with his grandson. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz summer event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.